My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire, entire, there's 10 fights. There's only 10 fights on this card. But I'm going to break down all 10 of those fights for UFC 292. I'm going to give you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. We had 11 fights. Cody Garbrandt just dropped last night. We are down to 10. I am filming this Sunday morning. They will obviously slap something together and probably get us 12 fights or so. They can't go into a pay-per-view with only 10. One fight drops on the scale, and then now you're down to nine, and nine is nothing. So they're probably going to put together 12 fights and then hope it all stays together, and we'll see what we get. Mario Batista is left without an opponent. They'll definitely get him somebody. He was already on the card. Now there's a few other people that are not on the card at all and weren't that they're going to try to figure something out. They're going to cobble this together, which is a shame because this is a Boston pay-per-view. They don't go to Boston very often, so it kind of sucks that uh, it, it'll be in a smaller card. The fights, though, are very solid, and there's a lot of really good betting spots, so let's jump in. We'll talk about that. But before we talk about that, let's talk about last night. UFC Vegas 78 was a success, a massive success across the board. Everything did everything, except prize picks and underdog. That sucked. Everything else absolutely crushed. I'm up units. Jacob is up units. Jacob's underdog lock of the week hit. And let's think about this. I think there were only two underdogs that won on the entire card. And one of them was Cub Swanson, who got a gift of a decision. He should not have won. So Jacob basically picked the only winning underdog on that card. And he put it out there for you. And it hit. His lock of the week is now three of the last four, I believe. I put out two safety parlays. A two-leg and a three-leg. And they both hit. The safety parlay is up 21 units all time. 21 units of net profit since we've been doing it. 62 units out, 81 units back in. That is a ROI of 30.74%. That is massive. To put together parlays every single week on the most volatile sport and throw that up at 30% more, more than 30% ROI is absolutely incredible unlock the safety parlay and everything else at wewantpicks.com just click become a member it's only ten dollars a month and look what our premium members are doing every week i'm getting sent tickets from the net that event they're getting dm'd they're getting put in the discord however i'm getting them and they're only from premium members every ticket i show on here is only a premium members ticket Thirty-four thousand dollars in winning tickets sent to me in the last 12 hours from premium members alone. I've always said this. We have the sharpest community in this space. That is absolutely without question. Here's the proof. They're paying $10 a month. You should pay $10 a month and you can unlock everything that they have access to. Like the line movement tracker. The line movement tracker is going to give you opening odds, current odds, win probability, and the actual line movement for every single fight on every single card. This card, only one single fighter, Karini Silva, Open as an underdog and will close as a favorite as of now. But six fighters have had more than 20% of line movement, whether it collapsed or expanded. You also get detailed data metrics and analytics so you can do your own research. This isn't just copy-paste. You have tools, information, do your own research. It takes probably eight, nine hours for us to put this spreadsheet together. If you value your time, why would you go out and do all of that when you could just pay the $10 a month and already have it done and ready to go for you? We also have DraftKings information. We have breakdowns for every fight, who you should put in your lineups, what your lineup should look like, and an optimizer. This is going to build DraftKings fantasy lineups for you. Straight up, build the lineups. It'll build 150 
different lineups for you. Oh, and by the way, it'll be pre-populated with ownership projections and we have the best ownership projections in the game. This is from last night. Our margin of error was 3.71% and we absolutely crushed. We absolutely crushed. You see all these sources? These sources are the big time players in this space, the Roto Grinders, the Awesomeo, the people charging 50, $100 a month for this. And not only are our numbers better, we're only charging $10 a month for everything. And the reason we only charge $10 is I'm a very big believer in the Costco model. Great value, incredible price, don't touch it, and members will flock in. And that's exactly what's happening. We have well over 2,000 premium members. I can't thank you enough. It hasn't even been a full year since we've had premium membership. Hasn't even been a year. We went from zero to over 2,000 in less than a year. That is thanks to you guys. Thanks to website guy, website guy Josh, who has built it all, and Jacob for all the stuff that he's doing. Without all of that, we've got nothing. So thank you all very, very much. Genuinely, it's only $10 a month if you want to join that well over 2,000 crew. Well over... If you want to join all of the other premium members, weonpix.com, click become a member. And if you want 50 bucks, I will send you 50 bucks. We pay out thousands of dollars a week. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners using our link, and I will send you $50 as a thank you. It's, it's literally that simple. It's affiliate marketing. So you use our link, you make your account, you throw in a deposit. They pay me. Hey, Angelo, thanks for the customer. I break off a piece of that money and I give it right back to you. It's literally that simple. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Use the link, sign up, make a deposit, and I'll send you 50 bucks. Let's go ahead and break down this card. So again, only 10 fights as of right now. There will be more throughout the week. We're going to go live Tuesday night breaking down fights and we'll probably have more than 10 when we do that. But also, this is the ultimate fighter finale. So there's going to be another fight added. It's going to be the uh, the 135-pound fight. This is the 155-pound ultimate fighter finale. We have Austin Hubbard taking on Kurt Hollibaugh. Kurt Hollibaugh made his way onto the ultimate fighter and into the finale despite going 0 for 6 in the UFC previously. And he didn't truly go 0 for 6. If you look at it a little deeper, you'll see that he did beat my friend, Matt Bissett. I know him in real life. Uh, but that was overturned because Kurt used an IV, which is against the USADA rules. Style-wise, Kurt is just a come-forward striker. He's got pressure. He's got power. He marches forward. He throws combinations. Then he'll duck out, reset, and do it all over again. He does a great job with his combinations. He's sending everything with power. He has some wrestling. He could probably use it a little more takedown defense, though. He can be taken down somewhat easily. He's taking on Austin Hubbard. This is a gritty guy who's good everywhere. He's got a ton of heart, a ton of power in his hands. He's mostly a striker, but he's pretty well-rounded overall. He can be taken down, but he does have solid get-up game. His official stint in the UFC was from 2019 to 2021, where he went three and four before getting a few regional wins and then now on the Ultimate Fighter pretty uneventful right you watch his ultimate fighter run and even his fights in the ufc they're not the most exciting fights you're gonna get but you know the guy's gonna come forward do what he's supposed to do and uh squeak out some of these wins but i do like kurt as the underdog here it's easy to say that he's winless in the ufc right oh for six is astonishing he's really five and one with a, an overturned fight but let me read off his three most recent losses in the UFC. Lost to Thiago Moises, who we know is good. Shane Burgos, who we know is good. And Hani Barcelos, who we know is good. And these were in 2018 and 2019 when the three of them were at their peak. 
I do think Kurt's striking combinations and power are going to be too much for Austin. The concern, though, is that Austin has a chin and he has takedown. So if he weathers that storm, if he rolls with those eight-punch combinations, all of a sudden Austin can sneak in a takedown and grab that round. I do like Kurt. I think Kurt's going to get it done. Uh, I think he will be the ultimate fighter champion when this is all said and done. Then we have Andrea Lee taking on Natalia Silva, one of three female fights on this card. 30% of the fights I'm going to break down are women's MMA fights, but these are actually pretty solid, and this is one of those good matchups. We have Andrea Lee. She's a dynamic striker. She uses the basics really, really well. She's incredibly tough. She does have some improved grappling. She's averaging more than two takedowns per fight, and she just took down Macy Barber five times in that very, very close loss that a lot of people think she won. Her takedown defense can use some work and it sits at 54%, but her striking is clean and she could beat most people in this division in just a, a pure technical striking match. I mentioned that Macy lost. Again, a lot of people think Andrea Lee won that fight. She had five takedowns, a full round of control time, and the striking was about even. She's taking on Natalia Silva. Natalia Silva is a well-rounded fighter who is always fun to watch. She has what seems like a brawling style where she's like sort of winging punches for her hips. And then she'll just work in some spinning attacks and out of nowhere and a takedown. I, you know, I say seems like a brawling style because her striking is actually pretty technical, but she does a good job of turning it into a brawl, right? She's got technical striking. She will make it an ugly fight. And then as soon as you're comfortable in that ugly fight, she's going to do what she wants to do. She's going to come in, solid upper body takedowns, look to control when she gets you to the ground. She's insanely powerful for the division, and she's coming off two big-time knockouts in a row. Most impressively is the fact that one of them was in the third round, meaning Natalia Silva is not a first-rounder bust. She's not just knockout or bust, and she carries her power late into the fights. This should be a Natalia Silva play all day long. She should be the better striker. Absolutely is going to be the better grappler. Jasmine Jazadavicious, who we love here, couldn't take her down. So I certainly don't think Andrea Lee is going to. And with that being said, Andrea Lee is very tough. And even though she's coming off two losses in a row, one of them was a bad decision and the other was a really close fight where she had a knockdown but couldn't defend the takedowns. I am confident enough on Natalia Silva to have a one-unit parlay. I'll tell you who the other half of that parlay is when we get to that fight. So the reality is, I think Natalia Silva wins this fight. I did throw her in a parlay. I have already got three parlays going for this card. I like her in that parlay. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is that Andrea Lee is very, very tough. She's very, very gritty, and she's a technical striker. I also think another sneaky bet or a sneaky play here could be the under on takedowns for Andrea. Sometimes we get lucky. We just had a half of a takedown line for Montserrat Ruiz. So she just needed one takedown for it to hit, and it hit, and that was plus money. We may get that lucky with Andrea, but the opposite direction. They're going to see, wow, she just took down her last opponent five times. Let's give her a three-takedown line. It's going to be under because, again, Jasmine Jazzadavicious isn't taking down Natalia Silva. Neither is Andrea Lee. So make sure you have linked your Discord. If you're a premium member, just go to the account page, link your Discord. As soon as those takedown props drop, it's either Thursdays or Fridays. It always depends on the week. I'm going to hunt for the Andrea Lee one, and if it's a high number, I'm hitting the under. Boom, done, and we'll go ahead and bet that. We'll tag all the premium members in it. You'll get the alert on your phone, and if you like it, you tail it. If you don't, you don't, but make sure your account is linked if you're a premium member. Just go to the account page. There's a big-ass button, link, Discord. Just click that. Then we have 
Another Silva. We have Marina Moroz taking on Karini Silva. And this is another interesting matchup. There's a lot at stake in these three female fights. The other, the last one or the third one is the co-main event. But in this matchup, we've got Marina Moroz. She's a striker. She's got good volume. She mixes her strikes up really well. She's got nice movement on her feet and she avoids the pocket. If she does end up in the pocket, she can be a little bit hittable. And you can see that with her negative striking differential here on the screen. But as of late, she actually started to work in takedowns. She's had five takedowns in her last four fights. She's coming off that loss to Jennifer Maya where she actually looked pretty horrible, honestly. She threw a ton of punches and nothing was landing. She was getting hit with power, she was losing the exchanges, and she did literally nothing about it. Literally nothing about it. She's losing all the striking exchanges and didn't even attempt a takedown. It made no sense, low fight IQ. The good news is, we now know that Marina Moroz has a very good chin because she was getting cracked. She's taking on Karini Silva. Karini Silva is a powerful grappler who's constantly working for a submission, both from top and bottom. She has 16 wins with 16 stoppages, and those are a mixed bag of ground and pound and submission. She's going to plot forward. She's got a nice tight guard on her feet. She's going to throw a flurry of punches and then rush in, clinch the body, work you to the cage, and get you to the ground. Once she's on the ground, she's constantly working for position and then submission. Occasionally, she'll chase a submission, maybe end up losing that exchange altogether because of it. But the reality is she's a beast on the ground. She's coming off the first round submission win over Ketlin Souza. And Karini should absolutely win this fight, right? Like very confident pick. She should dominate this fight. She's got powerful takedowns, insane grappling. And while Moroz has poor takedown defense, she does have solid submission defense and she's never been finished. So I am going to caution you here. Very confident that Karini Silva wins, but I would be a little worried to bet or parlay Karini because we have no clue what happens if this goes a few rounds, right? We have no idea what happens if Karini doesn't get a first round finish. She may be completely gassed. She might get lit up on her feet by the much better striker. Marina Moroz is going to be the much better striker. In her contender series fight, in Karini's contender series fight, she lost the first round. And if Jan, her opponent, wasn't obsessed with getting this to the ground, she might have lost the fight. But her opponent was obsessed with getting it to the ground and ended up getting submitted. So I do think Karini wins. I am very confident in her, but if Marina's super tough, she is the better striker. And she's the exact type of person that's going to mess up some parlays. So I am going to leave Karini out of my parlays literally only because I just don't know about the cardio. She's been due decision one time in her entire career and she lost. She lost that decision. So we'll see what happens. If Marina Moroz can somehow keep this fight standing, touch her up on the feet, tire her out a little bit, you could have a pretty big upset. But again, the pick is Karini Silva and it's, I'm very, very confident in that. Just that one little, one little disclaimer for the caution then we have gregory rodriguez taking on dennis tolulin this is a tricky fight this is a this is a very very close fight these odds are surprising right the gregory's a decent favorite right now and this should be closer to a pickup we got gregory rodriguez this guy's very well rounded he's got good clean striking he's got power and a bjj black belt even though he does have that black belt and he's more than capable on the ground He's got really good takedown defense and he uses that to keep fights standing and slug it out. He's not even really initiating that many takedowns. You'll see he averages a little over two per fight, but the reality is those stats are a little skewed because he had a few fights with a bunch of takedowns and then a whole bunch of fights with no takedowns. He is a big guy. He's got power. He's got strength. And the reality is he can be a threat everywhere. 
He is coming off that knockout loss to Bruno Fajeda, where he did look good, right? He was winning most of the exchanges and then whoop, out cold. Just bang, gone, done, unconscious. He's taking on Dennis Tululin. Tweelilin. I mean, look at this last name. There's three letters in the last name that, three different letters in the last name that's 14 characters long. Tweelilin. Denise Tululin. It's it, whatever. Anyway, this guy is a really fun come forward striker. He's always hunting for a finish. He has no problem getting into a slugfest. And he likes to make fights ugly. He likes to keep them as fast-paced as possible. And he wants to break people or catch them in those firefight exchanges. He's got legitimate power in his hands, but he does have some grappling holes. His takedown defense is solid at 71%, but he's a straight-up fish out of water if he's taken down. He's coming off the submission loss to Jun Young Park where he could not get his hands going before being taken down in the first and then submitted. I faded Gregory in his last fight, right? I, I mentioned he's a little too hittable. He has no problem getting hit and he's fighting a guy like Diego Fajeda and that's not somebody that you want to be in a firefight with. And he slugged it out and boom, done unconscious. He was knocked out cold. I cashed my bet. This fight is very different though because yes, Tallulah is a striker and he does have some power, but it's not really like massive Bruno Fajeda one punch put you to sleep type power. It's like, touch you up, win those exchanges, wear you down, beat you up, and then get sort of a TKO kind of thing. Gregory is going to be the pick here. Two reasons. One, Dennis Tolulin fades. He doesn't keep that energy the full 15 minutes, right? He's not going to bang it out like crazy. He fades a little bit. And two, he has nothing to offer on the ground. So Gregory Rodriguez is going to be the pick. Very low confidence pick because I want him to shoot takedowns. Can't always rely on him to shoot takedowns. But if he shoots some takedowns, if he gets it to the ground, the skill gap on the ground is going to be way too wide. And Dennis is probably going to get submitted or finished. But if Gregory wants to come in there and slug it out, he can end up with a really bad night again. So again, Gregory Rodriguez is the pick, but very low confidence. And this fight should be closer to a pick than the two to one favorite that Greg is right now. Then we have the return of Chris Weidman. He's coming back after two years away. His leg broke clean in half and he's recovered and he's here. And unfortunately, he's 39 years old, but they gave him a matchup that he could potentially win. He's taking on Brad Tavares at middleweight. Chris Weidman, former middleweight champion of the world. He was the first champion that this whole Sarah Longo gym, the gym that's been crushing it lately. He was the first champion that they produced outside of Matt Sarah, obviously. He's a great wrestler. He's got solid striking. And when he was the champion, there was a period of time where people were talking about how he was going to be the next great. He beat Anderson Silva twice. Chris Weidman, he's got the wrestling. He's got the striking. He's got the cardio. Super high fight IQ. This guy's going to be the next great. It just didn't play out that way because his chin started to fade a little bit. He got a couple of injuries. And then now, obviously, he's 39 years old. Yes, former champion. Defended the belt a few times. So it's not as if he was a one-and-done kind of guy. But he's starting to struggle. He's trying to keep that career alive, right? He's nothing but heart. He's shown that time and time again, despite his age, despite the chin, despite his leg snapping clean in half in his last fight a couple of years ago, you can be positive that Chris Weidman is going to show up like a man and try to win this fight. He's pretty good everywhere. And if his chin holds up, this could be Chris Weidman's fight. If it doesn't hold up, 
you know, then that's it's going to be an unfortunate situation for him. But he's taking on Brad Tavares. This guy's also a tried and true entity at 185 pounds. He's 14 and 8 in the UFC. And outside of Chris Weidman, he has fought pretty much every former and current champion and contender. Brad Tavares has fought everybody that's good over the last 10 years or so. He's a solid striker, very good takedown defense at 80%, and he's got that Hawaiian fighting spirit. He's not really dangerous anywhere, but he is well-rounded and impossible to get out of there. He's coming off that loss to Bruno Silva where he looked good, he threw with intent, and then he was just big-time caught by Bruno who you know, hits like a freight train at this weight class. Brad is sitting at almost a three to one favorite right now. And I, I get it, right? Chris Wadman's leg was separating the two. The only reason it was still like attached was the skin because everything else in there was just, it was gruesome. And that was two years ago. And now he's 39 years old. I still think that line is wide. I still don't think Brad Tavares should be a three to one favorite. Chris is without question the better fighter in this matchup. He's literally better everywhere. He's going to be the better wrestler, the more technical striker. He's going to have the better jujitsu. He is better everywhere in this fight. The line is just representative of the two years off, his age, and the injury, and that he had no chin. So four things working against Chris Weidman coming into this fight. Everything in me wants to pick him. Everything in me wants to bet on him. I would love nothing more than if Chris Weidman had his Robbie Lawler moment. Two years away, proof to himself that he can do it. Comes in there, puts Brad out retires. I would love if he had that. I don't think he's going to though. I do think Brad Tavares is going to win this fight. I think he's going to be just a step ahead. He's going to be a a touch faster, a touch ahead. I could be way off here. And the problem is this fight is not worth betting. We don't know what Chris Weidman is two years away after a horrific injury. We just don't know. He might be afraid to throw kicks. He might be afraid to commit to things, or he might be bigger, better, faster, stronger than he's ever been. We don't know. Save your money. Just watch this fight. I'll be rooting for Chris Weidman all day long, but the reality is I I think too much time has passed. He already was starting to look a little old then, and now two years later, bad injury. I, I, I just don't see him pulling it off, but I'm really going to be hoping he does. Then we have Andre Petrosky taking on Gerald Mearshart. Andre Petrosky, pretty young in his career. Look at the look at the differences in their records. Nine and one to 35 and 16. But Andre Petrosky is a very good wrestler. He's got great takedowns. His stand-up is just okay, but it is loaded with power shots. And those are there to set up the wrestling. He's absolutely a wrestler, and his wrestling is dominant. It's fast, it's in your face. Andre has looked Pretty good since the Ultimate Fighter, but we did watch him lose on the Ultimate Fighter to Brian Battle because he didn't set up his takedowns. He was just diving at legs. They were too telegraphed and they were easy to defend. He's got very good BJJ as well, and he uses that to control positions and snatch up submissions. He's coming off the decision win over Wellington Terman where he was chasing power on his feet and then Wellington started to light up Andre's body and then Andre's like, we've had enough of this. I'm going back to my wrestling. And then he dominated from there. He's taking on Gerald Mearshart. This guy's an insane grappler. He's always live for a submission. He's not great on his feet. People will question his chin as they probably should, but he's insanely tough. He's never going to quit on himself. He's an incredibly talented grappler, but like so many others, he's got all the jujitsu and none of the takedowns. He does not have very good offensive takedowns. Can't really control if the fight goes to the ground or not. A very low 37% takedown accuracy, but he is coming off unfortunately for him, the blistering knockout loss to Joe Pfeiffer just a few months ago. 
And the reality is Andre Prochowski should win this fight, right? He's a big time favorite for a reason. I trust him probably 70%. If they fight 10 times, I think Andre Prochowski wins seven, maybe eight of those times. He definitely has power in his hands. Gerald's chin is a little suspect. He's got great wrestling. Gerald has almost no takedown defense. He also has what I'm hoping is enough BJJ to not get submitted. So Andre's going to be the pick. I was too afraid to put him in the safety parlay. I almost had him in the safety parlay. And I'm like, oh man, the dude only has 10 fights. Gerald Mearshart almost has four times the amount of wins that Andre has fights. We've seen Gerald Mearshart get his ass kicked and then pull off a submission. So I left him out of the safety parlay, but I do have Andre Petrovsky parlayed with Natalia Silva, and I got that at minus 133. That should hit. I think that hits almost every time. So I've got that parlay going, uh, but I did leave him out of the safety because, you know, frankly, a Hail Mary submission, while annoying, wouldn't be the most shocking thing that we would see happen in this fight. Then we have Ian Gary. Ian Gary's taking on Neil Magny, the toughest test of his young career, but it is short notice. So this is a short notice Neil Magny, but it should still be an interesting fight because Neil Magny, I, you know, a week and a half short notice he's stepping up on. He's incredibly well-rounded. He's very tough. He's very experienced. He's got skills everywhere. He's mostly a come forward striker though. He does have very solid grappling as well. He averages a little more than two takedowns per fight. He's 21 and nine. He has had 30 fights in the UFC and he's fought a who's who of the division. His last two losses, Gilbert Burns and Shavkat Rachmanov, right? Two phenomenal grapplers that outgrappled him. His most recent fight was a very close win over Phil Rowe. He's taking on Ian Gary, Ian Machado Gary. This guy's a solid striker. He's got crazy hand speed, fantastic footwork. He is a little bit hittable though, but he lands an impressive seven significant strikes per minute. And he's got solid enough takedown defense to keep fights standing. While he does have power, it's not just like one punch, boom, insane, like light up the machine power. It's incredible speed and timing that catches people and it hurts them and he starts to get that done. Some may say that he has sort of an easy road in the UFC. And while he hasn't had the toughest fights, we have seen him battle through adversity. In that Song Kanang fight, he was dropped early. It looked like he was gonna be done. He gathered himself, he sat on that stool, he shook off the cobwebs, came out and took over. And for a young guy that, you know, didn't have the toughest fights up until that point, that showed a lot. My respect for Ian Gary after that fight and before that fight are very, very different. Watching somebody work their way through adversity, watching somebody come back from, uh-oh, right? Like, uh-oh, watching him come back from that was, was really impressive how he managed to put himself together, go back out there, and get it done. And then his next fight out, he put out Daniel Rodriguez, who's insanely tough. Neil Magny struggled with Daniel Rodriguez. Ian Gary put him out after managing range really well. Neil Magny's the perfect barometer, right? He's the perfect test for Ian Gary. He's well-rounded. He's fought some of the best in the world. And we know he's going to push a pace. I think that Neil will very clearly be the more well-rounded fighter. But Ian's striking is so good. It's so well-timed. I don't think Neil's going to even have the opportunity to be well-rounded. I don't think he's going to get close enough to get his grappling going. I think his face is going to get lit up. And I think he's going to be stuck at a, at a bad range getting hit by Ian Gary. So Ian Gary is going to be the pick. And I think this is going to look like when Ian beat Darian Weeks, right? He controlled the striking. He did give up a takedown, but he won a very clear decision. Very confident in Ian, especially with Neil Magny stepping up. 
on short notice. Then we've got Cheeto Vera taking on Pedro Munoz. This is another fight. I'm going to be confident in my pick, but there's a couple of red flags and a couple of warnings to put out there. But let's go ahead and break it down. We got Cheeto Vera. This guy is a Muay Thai striker. He loves an ugly fight. He does a great job using all of his tools, and he's got a pretty versatile attack style. While he doesn't wrestle very often, he is a submission threat if it gets to the ground. He does have a negative striking differential. He is very hittable, but he's got so much power that even when he's completely outstruck, like he was against Font, Edgar, and Cruz, his opponent's faces look like they have been run through a meat grinder. He's coming off that loss to Corey Sandhagen where you're going to see split decision, should have never been a split decision. Cheeto Vera lost that fight very, very clearly. And that one judge that gave it to Cheeto is like, the whole world had their microscope on him. Like, what the hell is going on here? Because that scorecard made no sense. He's taking on Pedro Munoz. This guy's a volume striker. He sets a nonstop pace. He's got incredible leg kicks. And he has very dangerous BJJ, but doesn't look to take it to the ground himself. He's got a negative striking differential as well, which is actually pretty surprising because he's landing a very high 5.3 significant strikes per minute. He's coming off that solid win over Chris Gutierrez where he surprisingly had the lower overall output, but he did have a knockdown and he controlled the pace. Here's the red flags. Here's the red flags on Cheeto, right? And then I'm going to tell you why I bet on him anyway. Red flag number one. He's not nearly as good as everybody thinks. Cheeto Vera is a little bit overrated. Red flag number two. He's supposed to be this dominant striker, but he has been completely outstruck in his last four fights. And red flag number three, he has no real sense of urgency. If he's losing a fight, he doesn't change a single thing. He continues doing exactly what he was doing that entire time, even though he's losing, right? He's losing round number one. Round number two, he comes out, did the same shit he did in the first round. Loses round number two. Round number three comes, he's doing the exact same shit that he did in one and two, and he's still losing, but then he just got so much power, he's able to pull it off. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Sometimes he connects like he did with Edgar or Cruz, and other times he's just going to lose a decision like he did with Corey Sanhagen. With all of those red flags, right, the no sense of urgency, the fact that he gets outstruck by everybody, all of those red flags aside, uh, I still bet on him. <laughs> I still think he gets it done. Uh, not only does he have sort of a short notice opponent here, right? Pedro Munoz is stepping up on not like three days notice, but relatively short notice. I still think he's going to be able to do this because Pedro Munoz is an orthodox striker. He's going to stand in front of you. He's going to strike. And that's the exact type of person that Marlon just beats the shit out of. Corey Sanhagen is not an orthodox striker. He's, you know, doing all these crazy movements like Dominic Cruz. He's shooting takedowns. All of the takedown threats are gone. All of the unorthodox striking is gone. Pedro Munoz is going to come forward, work that low leg kick, and stand in front of Cheeto, and Cheeto's going to blast him. So Cheeto Vera is the pick. I have money on him. I've got him in a nice little parlay. But again, there are those red flags. Don't come from my head if Pedro Munoz pulls this off just like he did in his last fight. Then we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Wei Li Zhang defending her belt against Amanda Lamosh. Wei Li Zhang's the former and then again now current strawweight champion of the world. She's a striker and she has evolved into a true mixed martial artist. She's got very real power in her hands. She lands an impressive six significant strikes per minute almost she has added wrestling to her game plan and has 13 takedowns in the UFC. She's coming off that title win over Carla Esparza where she was taken down, but she managed to scramble her way into a submission in the second round. She dominated every single minute 
of that fight. She's taking on Amanda Lamoche. Amanda Lamoche is a Muay Thai striker with fast hands and a ton of power. She does a very good job keeping her fights at that Muay Thai range and avoiding takedowns. She has a solid 81% takedown defense and has only been taken down two times in the UFC. Even in her submission loss to Jessica Andrade, she defended the takedown. She was just submitted on her feet because she got caught against the cage. She is coming off the TKO win over Marina Rodriguez where she had her own takedown, three minutes of control, but was pretty low volume with her hands. Obviously, Amanda's going to be live for a knockout. She has that insane power. We all know Whaley can be knocked out, right? When she was knocked out uh, by Rose in that title defense. But outside of a fluky knockout, I think Whaley can win this fight absolutely everywhere. Her wrestling is impressive. Her jujitsu is impressive. Her volume is impressive. Her cardio is impressive. And I think that she's just going to be head and shoulders above the rest of the division. Amanda Lamoche is probably the second best fighter in the division, but the gap between first and second, I think is going to be far too wide here. Wei Li Zhang is the pick, one of my more confident picks, and I have her in that parlay with Cheeto, who I just broke down. So I think she's going to get it done. I think she's going to keep the belt, and she'll probably be the champion um, for a couple more years to come. Then we have the main event of the evening. We have Aljamain Sterling with the quick turnaround, taking on a fight he didn't want to be in. Aljamain Sterling did not want this fight. At least he didn't want it now. He wanted to wait. He said, I got a few injuries. I've been very busy. Give me a break. Let me enjoy my belt for a little bit. UFC said, no, you're fighting or we're going to do an interim belt without you. So he's stepping up. He's going out there. He's defending his belt just a few months after doing it with Henry Cejudo. He's taking on Sean O'Malley. Aljamain Sterling, style-wise, is a backpack grappler, right? He's going to get the takedowns and he's going to stick to you like an eighth layer of skin. Over time, he has developed his own unique striking style where he uses kicks really well to manage range. He lands almost five significant strikes per minute and he only absorbs about two. And that's all because he does such a good job with his footwork and his range control. In his last three fights, he has 11 takedowns and four of those were against Olympic, Olympic, Olympic gold medalist wrestler Henry Cejudo just a few months ago. He's taking on Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley is a very good striker with very real power and accuracy. He's incredibly athletic despite like the, the skinny skateboard body. This guy's incredibly athletic. The hand-eye coordination is through the roof and he does whatever he wants to on his feet and wide array of kicks and spinning techniques and they all land. His biggest asset is his pinpoint accuracy and his ability to use his reach really well. His biggest flaw though is blocking leg kicks. Cheeto beat him with leg kicks. Pedro Munoz won the first round in their fight with leg kicks before getting eye poked in the second. And he's coming off the controversial win over Pyotr Jan, where he had great accuracy. He landed big shots. He threatened with submissions, throwed his heart, throwed, showed his heart, but he did gas about halfway through that second round. A lot of people think he lost that fight, but the takeaway from that fight was that Sean O'Malley is not a bitch. He's incredibly tough. And he dispelled any of that quitter talk that showed up after the Cheeto fight. Obviously, Sean is going to be the much better striker. He's going to be more accurate. He's going to have more power. And Sean O'Malley can absolutely win this fight. He can absolutely win this fight. But what's more likely to happen is Aljamain Sterling is going to start to take over. I think Sean O'Malley is going to have a decent first round. Then Aljamain's wrestling is going to take over. Sean's going to slow down. We watched Sean slow down in a three-round fight, let alone a five-round fight. Uh, so I think Aljamain's going to win this. I think he could potentially win by submission, but 
Sean O'Malley showed us how insanely tough he is. Sean O'Malley should, you know, we know, we've already known how good his striking is. So he defends a couple of takedowns. All of a sudden, now Jermaine Sterling's in a little bit of trouble, but Sterling's going to be the pick. I'm curious to see what happens here, though. This is going to be a great main event. I'm very much looking forward to it. Guys, let me send you 50 bucks. It'll help buy the pay-per-view, which is freaking $90 at this point. I'll send you 50 bucks. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners using our link, and I'll send you $50 cash at PayPal Venmo. However you want it, we pay out thousands of dollars a week. Just make sure you use our link. It's affiliate marketing. They're going to pay me, and then I'm going to pay you. You can use that money to become a premium member. Premium membership is far more than just copy-paste a couple of bets. Far more. It is a full-blown interactive website. We have things like courses that'll teach you things. We have tools like the line movement tracker, the detailed data metrics and analytics. And we have far more than just me and Jakey boy. We also have Artem. We've got the pick doctor and we have another, uh, there's two of them. They're a duo. Another analyst we will be adding and they put out phenomenal content and they're going to have some great insight. We'll announce that once it's official. We want picks.com. Just click become a member. It is only $10 a month.